presenting this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. We're talking to experts in the field about sports and exercise-related injuries and the latest advances in diagnosis, treatment, and prevention to help your patients stay active. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on sports medicine. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Stricker. Dr. Stricker practices sports medicine at the Scripps Clinic in San Diego, California. He is the past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine and is a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Sports Medicine and Fitness. Dr. Stricker was an All-American swimmer in college and served as a team physician for the United States Olympic team at the Sydney Olympics. He is the author of the book, Sports Success Rx, Your Child's Prescription for the Best Experience. Today we're discussing overuse injuries, overtraining, and burnout in children and adolescent athletes. Hi, Dr. Stricker. Thanks for joining us on this special segment on sports medicine. Pleasure to be here. Other than obviously pain from overusing an extremity, what actually is sort of the anatomic correlate of an overuse injury? Our wonderful bodies are, of course, very intricately made, and we have the ability to sustain physical activity. When that occurs, we get kind of microscopic breakdown of some of those proteins and at the cellular level in our collagen, et cetera. And normally with that, combined with all those chemicals of oxidative stress, which is such a hot topic these days, we really understand that overnight with good nutrition and fluids and rest, our bodies are able to recuperate and repair that very, very nicely. What happens with an overuse injury is either from a gradual overload or an abrupt overload, that recovery phase, that ability to kind of repair is overwhelmed, and so it doesn't quite get there by the time you exert it again, and then it just kind of accumulates this pattern until you start to get the breakdown chemicals, you get the inflammatory chemicals, and all those things that cause our wonderful typical overuse injuries of any body part. And how do you prevent that? How much rest is really necessary for a recovery? A lot of that is very individual and unique. I mean, clearly there's people who can train at significantly high levels and get kind of a a moderate amount of rest and be ready to go, and other people really have to take a lot more time to recover. So much of that, I really think, Bill, we learn by practice, by experience, by learning it the hard way, and by kind of not wanting to go through that problem again. And so what happens is we learn that, hey, you know, I'm a little bit sore, but if I do this, then I'm ready to go the next day, or maybe it takes me two days to really recuperate. And so we kind of get good at figuring out, okay, maybe if I don't do that activity two or three days in a row, but I put something else in there in the middle, then I'm able to rest that body part while I work something else. As a pediatric sports physician, how frequently are you treating children with overuse injuries? Unfortunately, it makes up a very large proportion of my practice nowadays. And it's very interesting because when I first started practicing sports medicine, my first clinic was in 1993. And I think about that, and I go, you know, I took care of kids with a lot of, you know, acute fractures and ankle sprains and things that, you know, are pretty common, no matter how good you are. But over those years, it's really been amazing that now I still have my acute injuries, just like anybody else, but the majority and the proportion of stress fractures and tendonitis and these horrible muscle strains, and it just really has become a very significant issue in my population today. How often... Do you need a diagnostic testing to go along with your clinical impression? Do you need an MRI? Do you use an MRI frequently? Oh, those are great questions. I mean, I do get MRIs if there's going to be good utility with the results. And I think a lot of times it's amazing from a general public standpoint, and I'm sure many of your listeners can agree with this, they walk in and they say, I want an MRI. They don't want the diagnosis. They don't want any treatment plans. I want an MRI. 
And they think that's just the answer because that's all they see on TV, the pros, you know, they've got to get the MRI. And it's very much a lesson in education many times for me to kind of go through why it's not necessary or why it absolutely is necessary. And if it's going to change our outcome and what we do for treatment, then it's clearly a very good indication. Are there any ages at which overuse injuries are more common? Is the younger child, the growing child, at greater risk? And how does this change developmentally? Our young athletes and our young kids, of course, have very pliable tissues. They're very flexible. Their bones are very pliable. I mean, there's a lot of fortunate leeway in those younger bodies. And, of course, usually those bodies are not under the amount of activity that's going to cause a significant overload. Now, yes, I've had two seven- and eight-year-olds that have had stress fractures because they've just been doing way too much activity. That's very unusual. But as time goes on, you're right, as kids get more active, as they're being involved in either multiple high-level sports activities, but more commonly a couple teams year-round where there's never a break, then these bodies are just slowly breaking down over time and it's forcing them to have to take a break. Are there any particular sports that have a highest incidence of overuse injuries? Well, when you're talking about general injury rates, women's cross-country takes the cake as far as overuse injury rates. That's interesting. I never would have guessed that one. Okay. Why? You know, we think, of course, of the injuries because we think of football and all the hardcore things, but when you're looking at the number of overuse injuries, which are not your big, acute, exciting, newsworthy items, it really shows up the most in our women's cross-country runners. And that's stress fractures or? Stress fractures, Achilles tendonitis, you know, plantar fasciitis, a lot of anterior knee pain, mm-hmm. patella tendonitis, apophysitis, hip pain. A lot of the growth plates around the hip can be inflamed. So, I mean, there's lots of different things that can occur in those age groups, along with, of course, your occasional ankle sprain and acute knee injury. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us on this special segment on sports medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Stricker, past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine. We're discussing overuse injuries, overtraining, and burnout in the child and adolescent athlete. Are there guidelines from any of the medical societies or sports medicine societies in terms of, you know, in in Little League, I've heard of pitch count, but I couldn't tell you the number. But you mentioned the the cross country. Is there a limit to the number of, say, miles a child should run per day, per week? Well, that's getting into, of course, a big area of controversy now as to whether young children can be running marathons and half marathons. And overall, right, the American Academy of Pediatrics is very strong in saying that, you know, if you're below 12, those super long distance races are not necessarily appropriate or healthy for all children. And we know some kids are doing it, but the risk of the overuse injuries, the stress fractures, premature growth plate closure because of the repetitive impact, things of that nature really are showing up enough that we still are very cautious in those young age groups because of the very highly developing skeleton. So as far as any of the specific guidelines for physicians to share with their patients, there is nothing from, say, the American Academy of Pediatrics as to number of pitches per week, number of miles per week that a runner can run? When we're talking about guidelines, the best guidelines we have right now for preventing some of the very common overuse injuries would be in the area of, of Little League Baseball and pitch counts, et cetera. A lot of work is being done in that, and there's a lot of new revisions that have come out to the recommendations this year with you know, very specific not only pitch counts, per age, but also if there's a certain number of pitches, then how many days of rest that would require to recuperate from. So they're getting much more sophisticated, and those are things that through Little League Baseball, people can find out those numbers and can be very beneficial. When you're talking about applying that now to something such as cross-country, right, we don't have 
very specific guidelines for that. In general, we would always want to make sure that it's a progression. And part of it is just kind of what we experience so often. Kids will kind of, you know, do nothing over the summer, although decide at the last minute, hey, my friend is going to join the cross-country team, so I think that'd be fun. And so, you know, they go out in the shoes they've worn for two years. They haven't done any running over the summer, and boom, you know, first week of practice, the coach wants to really show them at that, and so they end up running 20 miles. So it's one of those situations where some of those cases, if the child, if we think far enough ahead, try to get them conditioned in a much more gradual approach and also help coaches be realistic and say, hey, look, if you've got someone that's been running for three years, but then you've got this person who hasn't run all summer, you do have to individualize. And that's part of the problem is that people don't take time to do that. I wanted to ask you whether it's appropriate for children to throw curveballs. That is a very key question as well. Now, when you're talking about an immature child where their growth plates are still wide open, no, we do not recommend that. Really, they can get by with just throwing good fastballs and learning that and doing that well. A lot of young kids don't need to have that in their repertoire. And we see it over and over again that it does cause substantial kind of a valgus stress to the medial side of the elbow and a compressive stress to the lateral side of the elbow. And some of these kids, it can truly cause permanent damage. And so these are the kids that, again, if they're really overdoing this prematurely at age 8, 9, or 10, they absolutely are putting their longer-term future as a pitcher in complete jeopardy. As tech continues to expand, I'm seeing the radar gun appearing at the Little League parks. Should we restrict the speed at which the child can throw the baseball? I don't know that that's necessarily the way to go about it. I I think that some kids are definitely faster than others when they throw, and, and yet I think what's more important is the type of throw that they're throwing that fast and how well their technique is and how ready their body is for that velocity of a throw. Are they really having a strong core? Are they throwing with their trunk rather than just their arm? Have they been doing some kind of prehab, as we spoke about, rehabilitation of the shoulder to make sure that it's strong enough? I think those are things you take into account rather than just base everything on a strict number because some kids are clearly going to be able to throw that fast and not have a problem. What's a good evaluation? It sounds like what we really need is not just dad coaching Little League, but you need somebody with some training. Is there a program for coaches so they can really understand the mechanics, so they can see which child has the core strength to do the sport at a certain level? Well, I don't think there really is. I mean, I know that there's obviously, you know, throwing camps specifically for learning how to coach pitching, those kinds of things, and certain instructional classes that coaches can take about certain sports. But in general, I don't think that there are any specific things where all the coaches learn how to do these certain things for kids along the way to help them develop in a much more appropriate, gradual way. Coaches have their own techniques, their own patterns of the way they coach kids. That's what makes you know so many coaches very different and why some of them are much better than others. So unfortunately, I don't think we have something that is standardized for all coaches across the country. With all this intense training and the interest in sports and athletics, how frequently are you seeing burnout? Well, I'm seeing it more frequently than I would like to. Fortunately, it's not a daily event, but I think what I see more are the kind of gradual headings that way, so to speak, where the kid will come in and they have an injury and then you know, they come in again with either the same injury that's just not getting better despite all the normal things we're doing and they end up having this prolonged course of not improving with something that really is very out of proportion to what their original injury was. And over time you kind of realize that there's this real hesitancy to even go back to the activity We'll see kids that the parents come in and say, you know, the kid doesn't want to do this anymore, and it's really a a chore to try to get them in, and, you know, blah, 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 and they're hurt all the time. I mean, these are warning signs. These are real ways that kids send up smoke signals without having to say, 
I don't want to do this, or I'm being pushed too hard, because they're so afraid of the fallout from that. And part of that stems from, again, where's the self-worth of that child? Is it all wrapped up in that sport, because that's the way the parent implies? Then that kid is not going to tell you that he doesn't want to play or she doesn't want to play. But what they're going to do is find a socially acceptable way out, which is I'm hurt, I'm injured, I'm not getting better, and I just don't feel safe going back. And these are the warning signs that you have to look for for burnout. I'd like to thank Dr. Paul Stricker, who's been my guest, and we've been discussing overuse injuries, overtraining, and burnout in children and adolescent athletes. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to a special segment on sports medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I invite you to listen to our on-demand library by visiting us at ReachMD.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.